Chapter 4 of The Odyssey for Boys and Girls by Alfred John Church. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Of What Happened in Ithaca Now we must leave Ulysses in the island of Calypso and see what was going on at his home in Ithaca. You have already been told that before he went to Troy he had married a wife, Penelope by name, and had a son who was called Telemachus. When this son was still only a baby, Ulysses had to go to Troy with the other chiefs of the Greeks to fight with the Trojans. And now nearly twenty years had passed, and he had not come home, and no one knew what had become of him. What had happened to the other chiefs, everyone knew. Some had died during the siege, and others had perished on the way home, and the leader of them all had come back and been wickedly killed by his wife and another had had to fly from his home and build a city in a distant country, and others had got back safely, sooner or later. But Ulysses was still absent, and, as has been said, no one knew where he was or whether he was alive or dead. But it seemed most likely that he was dead. It is no wonder, then, that many of the young men among the nobles of Ithaca and of the islands around about came and tried to persuade his wife Penelope to marry again. "'It is of no use,' they said, "'for you to wait any longer for your husband. "'By this time he must be dead, "'and you ought to have someone to look after you property in your kingdom, "'for your son is too young to do this properly.' "'Now Penelope believed in her heart that her husband was alive "'and that he would come back, "'but she knew that hardly anyone else believed it, "'and she felt very helpless.' The people of Ithaca thought that she ought to marry again. They were very badly governed when there was no king, even if the man whom she chose, for of course her husband would be king, was not very good, this would be better than to have a whole crowd of men coming day after day to the palace, eating and drinking and gambling, and wasting the king's goods. So she tried to gain time. She thought to herself, If I can put off these people— suitors they were called for a while perhaps my husband will come back in the meanwhile so she said to them you know that my husband's father is an old man and that it would be a great disgrace to me if he were to die and there were no proper grave clothes to bury him in for you know that he has been a king and should be buried with honor let me weave a shroud for him and when this is finished then I will choose one from among you to be my husband. The suitors were glad to hear this, for they said to themselves, This weaving cannot take a very long time, and when it is finished, then one of us at least will get what he wants. So they waited, but somehow the weaving was not finished. The truth was that the queen undid every night what she had done in the day. How long this would have gone on no one knows, but at last one of the women that waited on the queen told the secret to a friend of hers among the suitors. That night, three or four of them were taken by the woman to the queen's own room and found her undoing what she had done in the day, so the queen could not put off the suitors any longer in this way. The shroud was finished, and she did not know what to do. Now there was one among the gods and goddesses, who more than all the others cared for Ulysses. This 
was Athene, the goddess of wisdom, and she loved Ulysses because he was so wise. And Athene thought to herself, Now there are two things to be done. We must bring Ulysses back to his home. He's been away for twenty years, and that is enough, and too much. And we must not let Telemachus, his son, sit still any longer and do nothing, as if he did not care at all what has happened to his father and whether he is alive or dead. It would be a bad thing if Ulysses were to come home and find out that Telemachus had never taken any pains to look for him or ask about him, for Telemachus is now a young man and able to think and act. And Athene, being wise, saw that this was the first thing to do, for nothing could be worse than that, for any reason father and son should not be good friends. And the way in which she stirred up Telemachus was this. One day he sat among the suitors, who were feasting and playing draughts in his father's house. Every day did they come thither, and they made a sad waste of things which belonged to Ulysses. The sheep and oxen and swine were killed for their meat, and they drank the wines from his cellar, and Telemachus could do nothing, for he was but one against many. As he sat very sad at heart, there came a stranger to the door. Now this stranger was Athene, who had come down to earth and taken a man's shape. When Telemachus saw him, he got up from his place and brought him in, and commanded his servants to set food and drink before him. When he had ended his meal, Telemachus asked him his business. The stranger said, I am Mentes, I am king of the Taphians, and I am on my way to Cyprus with a cargo of iron, which I am going to exchange for copper. And I have come wishing to see your father, for I knew him and his father also. But now they tell me that he is not here. Something has hindered him from coming home, for I am sure that he is alive. But who are these? What are they doing here? Is this a wedding feast? A wise man would not like to see such doings in his house. And Telemachus answered, Oh, sir, while my father was yet alive, this house was rich and prosperous. But now that he's gone, things go very ill with me. It had been far better if he had fallen in battle of fighting against the Trojans, but now the sea has swallowed him up. And these men are the princes of Ithaca and of the islands round about, and they come, they say, seeking my mother in marriage. She will neither say yes nor no to them. Meanwhile they sit and waste my substance. Then said Mentes, It is indeed time that Ulysses should come back and put an end to such doings. But it is time also that you should do something for yourself. Now listen to me. First, call the people of Ithaca to an assembly. It is well to have the people on your side. Then, bid the suitors depart, each man to his house. And if your mother be minded to take another husband, let her go back to her father's house, and let her own people make ready a wedding feast and other things such as a daughter should have. When these things are done, make ready a ship with twenty oars, and go inquire after your father." Perhaps some man may have seen him or heard of him. Perhaps the gods themselves will give you an answer if you ask them. First, go to Pylos, where the old man Nestor lives. After that, go to Sparta and see King Menelaus, 
for he was the last of all the Greeks to get back to his home. And if you should find out that your father is dead, then raise a mound for him and give him such honors as are due to the dead. And if these suitors still trouble you, then devise some way of slaying them. It is time for you to behave yourself as a man. Telemachus said, You speak to me as a father might speak to a son, nor will I ever forget what you have said. But come now, stay a while, that I may give you some goodly gift such as a friend should give to a friend. Nay, said Mentes, I cannot stay. Keep your gift, I pray you, till I come again. So he rose from his seat and went out at the door. And lo, of a sudden he seemed to change his shape. It was as if he were changed into a sea eagle. And Telemachus knew that this stranger was not Mentes, but the goddess Athene. And he went back to the hall of the palace, where a minstrel, Phemius by name, was telling the tale of how the Greek came back from Troy, and of the many things which they suffered because they had sinned against the gods. And lo, in the midst of his telling, Penelope came down from the upper chamber where she sat, having two handmaids with her. She stood in the door of the hall, having drawn her veil over her face, and said to the minstrel, Phemius, you know many tales about the deeds of gods and men. Tell one of these, and let the guests hear it while they drink their wine. But tell this tale no more, for it breaks my heart to hear it. Surely I am the most unhappy of women, for all of the chiefs that went to Troy and never came back to their homes, my husband was the most famous. Then said Telemachus, Mother, why do you forbid the minstrel to make us glad in the way that he thinks best? Why do you forbid him to sing of the coming back of the Greeks? Tis a new tale, and men always like to hear that which is new. Go back then to your chamber, and mind the business of the house, and see that your maids do their work, their spinning and the like. But here I am master. And Penelope went back to her chamber without answering a word, for never had Telemachus spoken in such a way before. But she wept for Ulysses, her husband, till sleep came down upon her eyes. And when she was gone, Telemachus said to the suitors, Let us now feast and be merry, and let there be no quarreling among us, and let us listen to the minstrel's tale. What could we do better, for his voice is as of the voice of a god? But mark this, tomorrow we will have an assembly of the people, and there I will declare my purpose. And my purpose is this, that you go away from this palace and eat and drink in your own homes at your own cost. And they were astonished at his boldness, just as his mother had been astonished, for he had never so spoken before. And one of them, whose name was Antinous, said, Surely it is some god that makes you speak so boldly. I hope that you will never be king here in Ithaca, though it is but right that you should have that which belonged to your father. Telemachus said, I know that it is a good thing to be a king, for a king has riches and honor. But there are many here in Ithaca, young men and old, who may have the kingdom now that Ulysses is dead. Only this I know, that I will be master in my own house. Then, 
stood up another of the suitors and said, It is for the gods to settle who shall be king in Ithaca, but that you ought to be master in your own house and keep your own goods, no man will deny. But tell me, who was this stranger that came just now to the palace? Did he bring news of your father, or did he come in on business of his own? Why did he not stay to greet us? He was no common man, I take it. Telemachus answered, As for tidings of my father, I do not make any count of them, whoever it is that brings them. Ulysses will come back no more, and as for soothsayers whom my mother loves to entertain, that find out for her what has befallen her husband, I think nothing of them. They are makers of lies. As for the stranger about whom you ask, he was Mentes, king of the Taphians. So he said, but he knew in his heart that the stranger was Athene. Then the suitors feasted, and made merry with singing and dancing, till the night was far spent, and they went each man to his own home to sleep. But Telemachus went to his chamber, and Eurycleia, who had been his nurse when he was but a baby, led the way, holding a torch in either hand to light him. And when he came to the chamber, he took off his doublet and gave it to the nurse, and she folded it and smoothed it and hung it on a pin. This done, she went out and pushed to the door and made it fast. But Telemachus lay long awake, thinking of the journey which he was about to take. End of chapter 4